September is Childhood Cancer Awareness Month. It's a time of year when we pause to honor survivors who have dealt with cancer as children. It's every parent's nightmare to have to go through this. So we want to spread awareness and shed some light on how you can help and continue the research and treatment of the disease. We read the books. We bought the things. We thought we were ready. And then life took our plans and changed them. I'm Karen. I'm Victoria's mommy, and I work in tech. And I'm Pamela. I have a baby boy named Ford, and I'm a journalist. And although we're both first-time working moms, we're actually pretty different. And that's totally okay, because we both agree that our most important work is raising our kids. We really need each other and can only get through this together. Welcome to Motherish Moments. Hello. Hi, Karen. How are you? Good. I'm so excited for this episode because as many of you know, St. Jude and our fight against childhood cancer is very important to me. And I think it's always important. And I think it really puts it in perspective when we hear the testimonies of the survivors, of the patients, of the parents. Mm -hmm. And today we have two very special guests and we'll hear from them soon. We have Victoria and her mom, Damari, and they have an amazing story and a testimony. And, you know, I'm excited for you, for everyone to just hear their, their story. Awesome. I love her name already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My daughter's name is Victoria, so I think it's a beautiful name. <laughs> but yes, you ready for your motherish moment? Yeah, I mean, I know this is going to air a few weeks after we went through our first day of school. Mm. But actually, I have two motherish moments this week. One is focus on Ford. My son started big boy school because that's what he calls it. Mm -hmm. Escuelita para niños grandes. <laughs> it was a big transition, brand new school, you know, a little bit more of a drive for us. So our commute is longer, new classroom, new teachers, new friends. So it has been a big change for all of us, for him and for the family. But it was just like I planned it and I imagined it and it was perfect and he was just so happy and when I picked him up he was so excited after his first day it was just a reminder that sometimes we underestimate how capable our children are sometimes For like sure. we try to protect them and guard them you know and he's just been so independent and you know they have that application where they share pictures and videos so I'm obviously on it all day and it's just it's so interesting to see them like socialize and interact in such an independent way that I don't know, it just reminds you of they're growing up and it was a wonderful first day and I'm glad that he's having a good time in this new school. And I'm just like, now I have a new schedule. Like I have my mornings very early on. I'm starting my day and you know, what it's time been... do you have to wake up? Well, he's waking up because I ended up bumping up his bedtime. So now he's going to bed like at 7.30. Mm -hmm. So like at 5.45, he's calling out my name. <laughs> and then like, I bring him over to my bed and then like I'll try to like get him to sleep one more time. But but what's no. your, like, what time do you have to be up and, like, doing so stuff? So I'm, I'm getting up by, like, 6. Okay. I'm getting up. I'm okay. getting dressed. So I do me first. Like, you know, do everything. Mm -hmm. And then I do the breakfast. Mm -hmm. You know, he has a full meal. Like, yeah, full yeah, breakfast. Yeah. He'll do a breakfast. And then is the struggle with the getting him dressed in yes. the car. And what time do you have to be out? So out the door by 7.30. The okay. latest. Okay, okay. Just so to, like, not stress and have a nice... Time. Yeah. Yeah. And then my second mother's moment, I know I, I got two one, was Karen and I went, we were each other's date to a wedding. And it's just funny because we always interact like either at dinner or like we're recording. But this was like a wedding. There was live music and they had an awesome DJ. And I had never seen Karen break it down like <laughs> I saw her. Like I, I literally, I just saw it and I was like, by the way, I am so proud. I am so <laughs> in awe of your like breaking down. Went all the way to the floor, like booty dancing. It's like not appropriate 
and then dancing. she's always like, I wonder where Victoria Guest is from when she's dancing <laughs> on her videos. I really I don't know. I, because I didn't teach her any of that. But like I the most important thing about that moment is it's good for like, I think moms to spend time in a fun environment. I yeah. don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, and I know yeah, it's yeah. difficult because like, you know, we're not, it's hard to find that setup unless we go clubbing or I don't, I don't even know. Do people can say what? that anymore? No. <laughs> like, what is clubbing? <laughs> but it was just nice to see her happy. You were so happy. Yeah. You were yeah, happy yeah, yeah. and you were like enjoying it and you loved the music and you were just like, yeah. I mean, for I me, know, I, was really, it, I was bringing really it, bringing it. I was like, what? I was really looking forward to that wedding. She's an amazing Super dancer, happy by the for way. My friend, thank you. The said from a like an actual I'm, dancer, no, so no. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> but yeah, I was really happy. It was it was he's one of my best friends, and he got married, and I was really looking forward to the wedding. So, and I had so much fun. It was good. Yeah, I could tell you're having fun. So yeah. it, was, it was nice to see you in that environment, in that element, and yeah, and uh-huh. doing those moves. I don't. <laughs> I don't know. Surprise I don't know me. what you're talking about. Uh-huh. There's no evidence. Okay, so my mother's moment, I'll make it brief. You know, yes, school has started. And as some of you may recall, if you are a longtime motherish listener, last year was Victoria's first year in school. And she basically cried every day. Like every day at drop off for a long time. I like, did too. You had a... No, no, no. I cried like the first week. And then after that, I was like, bye, like go, you know, because I was like, get it together. And then she would still be very clingy. She would like grab my, you know, arm and leg. And and I did all the things that like the teacher would guide me to do. And like the internet would guide me to do. I did all the things. She would just, you know, she had a lot of feelings about it. And so this year, like a few weeks before starting, I was like, okay, get ready. We're going to go to your new school and uh, not a new school, but like, we're going to go to school again. And then, you know, the day before she's like, I don't really want to go to school. And I was like, well, you're going to go to school. Like this is happening. And I just want to say that she walked into class. She did not look back. She didn't say bye to me. And I was like, and, and, the, and the teacher was like, go enjoy your day. And I was like, oh, great. And today I was like, okay, for sure on the second day, it's going to hit her. On the second day, she's going to be like, hi, mommy. No, she literally was like, mommy, mi lonchera va aquí en mi cubby. Okay, whatever. Okay. And she didn't say bye. And so like, I'm upset about the not saying bye because I feel like that's rude. You know, Mm -hmm. like I get Mm -hmm. it. You're into your school. That's fine. But you can't not say bye. So I'm going to have a talk with her about that. Later, eventually, um, once she gets into a good swing of things. But I'm so happy how, that how she. How are you emotionally after dropping her off? Since you, you day came home, no, and day you one, stay busy and. Well, I, yeah, I'm a stay-at-home mom now, Pamela. Like it never ends. There's no freaking schedule to this. Like I got home, that you have the dishes, the cooking, the laundry, the. I know, I just but you like, have Victoria with you the whole time, right? Like, right, and I summer. couldn't do anything. <laughs> like, <laughs> I couldn't do all the things. So now it's different because I have a much more. It's just a lot, but yeah, it was fine. The only thing that was weird is that like one was working from home, and I guess like because Victoria wasn't there, he didn't feel like he had to like keep himself to the desk so he kept like taking meetings from all over the house and I was like I don't want to have to be quiet because he's in a meeting no go to your room no so I need to talk to him about that but anyway yeah it was fine I'm really happy for her that she is feeling so confident in her you know new school year which is honestly all I could ask for I could also ask for her to just say bye but but yeah that was all I was emotional the first day but I think it's just part of like you know, they're growing and I'm happy that I get to witness her growing. It's a gift. So the Maddie and Victoria are a mom-daughter duo that kind of speak on behalf of St. Jude 
Research Children Hospital. And how was Victoria at seven years old? She was a healthy child. Everything was fine. And what is it that happened that, you know, either did you pick up on something or was it in a regular doctor visit? How did you find out about the diagnosis, Damari? Victoria was a very healthy child, very normal, very happy, very um, creative. She was she was unstoppable. Yeah, she still is, you know. <laughs> but um, it was a very weird behavior. Everything happened in a week. You know, like we went to New York on that weekend, got here. It was almost the last week of school. Victoria loves school. She was the one who runs to school every time and she loves it. And she wanted to stay as long as she's possible could in school. And she said for the first time in like almost a, two years of school, almost three, that she said, mommy, I don't want to go to school. I have a headache. And I'm like, oh, okay. So we just went from, you know, to the airplane on a Sunday. So I said, well, maybe you're catching something. But I said, you know, before you catch something, let me drop you to the pediatrician. So we went Monday and I said, look, we were in New York, New York, the airplanes. Um, and she said, well, I don't see anything. She did some labs and nothing was important. Tuesday, she said the same. Wednesday, when she said the same, I started wondering every other possibility that I said, Victoria, something being mean to you. Somebody's being mean to you in school. Like your mind goes, this kid that loves school so much, suddenly she doesn't want to go to school. But on Wednesday, she needed to drop some cupcakes because it was the end of the year party that Friday. And I said, okay, let's do that. And Wednesday, I said, let's go back to the, because if you need antibiotic or something, let's start it so you can finish, you know, like, like normal, like finish your, your school. She was headaches in the morning and then she was fine in the evening. She was still doing dancing. She was painting. She was doing a lot of stuff. So I'm like, hmm. So Thursday, we had to drop those cupcakes and we got the cupcakes in the morning and almost on the way to school, she threw up like there was no tomorrow. So I went back to the pediatrician and said, something is not right because she doesn't have any, no coffee, no nothing. And then she throws up, something is not right. And the pediatrician, she said, Damari, something is not right. I don't want to jump to conclusion, but if this happens again, go immediately to the hospital. Don't come here, go to the hospital and you need to do an MRI. And I'm like, okay, I thought it was extreme, but but thank God. So Friday, she wanted to go to school and she didn't want to go to school. So I started, you know, wondering like so many things, something is bullying you in school. You know, like you, you ne will never think anything else about a headache. And then in the evening, she was fine. So Saturday, uh, we got a dog. We couldn't pick it up from the shelter. And Sunday, we picked the dog in the shelter. And every uh, the three kids were playing with the dog. And Victoria was, like, staring at the dog. And I'm like, oh, no, no, no. This is not normal. You know, you get a new dog, you don't stare at it. So I said, I'm going to the hospital here in, my, in the town I live. And I got to the hospital and talking to my pediatrician on the phone, she said, do not leave without an MRI. Do not leave. And they're going to refuse to do the MRI, but you do not leave. When I get there, she's, I, and I explained there, the doctor, then he has to, then he excuses himself. He said, ladies, 100 degrees outside. I can do an MRI and any kid that comes here because he has a slightly headache. And I said, I don't care. I'm not leaving without the MRI. And if not, call my pediatrician. My, and I said to him, She's having headaches in the morning, and then in the evenings, she's fine. And he said, she's only having headaches in the morning? Yes. In the evening, she's fine. I, you know, I said the truth. And then he said, okay, let's do the MRI. When the MRI came out, it was 
you know, the news that yeah, I think you have to go to this hospital. The ambulance is coming. I said, I can't drive her. He said, no, you're not driving her. What is it that they, they ended up finding in that MRI? They found a tumor. That was the first tumor they found. It was the size of a lemon, but her head was little. You know, like if you think a lemon is little, but her head was little. So it was a big size of a lemon and a little head. And uh, we went to Joe DiMaggio and immediately surgery, immediately oncologist, immediately like that was Sunday and Thursday was her surgery. It was an urgent surgery that has to be done. And it was done on that Thursday and she did very good on, on that one. But it was just a slightly headache. And as I said, now, if you wake up in the mornings with headache, I recommend everybody go and do the, the MRI because you should never wake up with headaches. Then we did MRIs every three months. And in week 49, she said, mommy, I had trouble reading today. And I'm like, what? And in that month, she had her vision test and her vision was excellent. So I'm like, oh, that's interesting. But immediately, you know, something is not normal because you don't change your vision in one day. And I said, Victoria, I will pick you up. And I said, can you read that? She said, mommy, you know, the big letters, like like the humongous letters on the street. She said, I can't. And then I immediately said, I called Joe DiMaggio. I said, I need an MRI. I need to do an MRI. She said, then they said, look, you have an MRI already in an appointment in two weeks. Can you wait? I said, no, I can't wait. I'm on my way. I'm just turning. I'm already in 595. I'm there. They said, okay, we'll wait for you. I called the um, the oncologist. I called the neurosurgeon. the neurosurgeon. And I said, I'm on my way. I don't care. I'm on my way. And sadly, it was the second tumor that was grabbing uh, the, um, the, optic, the optical nerve. This was even bigger. And that's when they decided that the only place that she could receive the best treatment in the world was with St. Jude. And that's when the whole thing started. But it was a thing of a day. You know, it was it was not a, a long step of, of things that you ignore. It was things of a day. Victoria, do you remember, Victoria, when you got to St. Jude? Like, I mean, you were only seven or I guess that when you were almost eight or nine. At that young age, like, did they explain to you what was happening? Like, what did it mean to you? Like, what do you remember from that first visit to St. Jude? And what did your mom tell you? So when I, for my first surgery, I obviously would, did not have any idea what was going on. I knew something what was going on, but, you know, obviously an eight-year-old, eight-year-old doesn't know what a tumor is just yet. But, you know, obviously after going through surgery and you know, I obviously had to learn how to adapt to that stuff. And when I got to St. Jude, they actually pulled me aside and I had like a child life specialist. And she was basically explaining everything of what was going to go happen, you know, what they would be doing, how it worked. And just obviously, you know, in very simple terms. And, you know, that obviously does help a lot because at the time I was nine. So I was obviously a little more involved and I did obviously want to know what was going on. Yeah, they actually explained everything to detail. And it was obviously helpful for my, you know, my mental self, my mental health, just because I knew what was going on. And it wasn't like I was being forced into something, not knowing what would happen, being scared. Like she basically explained that, you know, through radiation, I wouldn't feel anything at all that it was just like a little beam, an invisible beam that you wouldn't be able to see. And I was like, okay, if I can't see it or I can't feel it, I'm fine. For people who haven't visited St. Jude, and I always like to ask the patient and the survivors, how would you describe St. Jude, right? Like, how would you describe the place? Like, what emotions does it bring to you, like, make you feel every time you go in the hospital? I consider St. Jude my second home. That is somewhere where I feel absolutely safe. I feel like I have anyone I can talk to. And as I tell everyone, we got to St. Jude crying and we left crying because we made so many connections to the nurses, doctors, to other patients 
who may have had the same outcome as I did or not the same outcome and having your little your little community of people who understand you know what you're going through is helpful to everyone I had a little special friend who we started radiation on the same day and ended on the same day so her and I are extremely close and you know that obviously those connections obviously help you know go through radiation go through therapy go through absolutely anything I love that every time the Mari gets sentimental or emotional like Victoria always leans in to like hug her and make her feel better how was this experience also brought you ladies together, right? Like the bomb daughter moment. And that might, if you could also explain to other moms, like where did you find your strength, right? Like what was your biggest fear? Like what went through your mind and how were you able to get out of that hole? I am a believer of that. I pray to God every day. I do my prayers. I I really um, think everything happens for a reason. Because you mentioned before that you had a fear that you were going to lose your daughter. Like that goes through your mind. Like you're afraid that that she won't make it. Yes, it's the worst fear ever, any parent can have. And uh, I, I keep praying and I keep praying and I keep praying and uh, I won't stop praying. And I won't stop giving thanks also to San Jude because they have the best equipment right now. They do it for free. They share that information. I was a sales rep for many, many years. I know what research and information value is and they do it for free and they treat Victoria with such, you know, with so much care, with so much love. Every time Victoria, Victoria paints and she um, sells that paints to raise awareness and to raise some money for St. Jude. But every time we go, you know, the CEO of St. Jude takes time to meet um, Victoria. You know, the importance of that little details that he does is impressive because they really take the time to give her 10, 15 minutes. They really know her by her name. The staff know her by her name. She also has rolling vein and she has a team for... Um, yeah, I have absolutely horrible veins for when I have to get like IVs and stuff. And St. Jude has a specific team for kids like me who have the worst veins in the world. And I must tell you back here in Florida, I have been poked 18 times. And in St. Jude, maximum two. And that makes a whole difference because your day starts with a poke and... But when it's one poke, it's a happy day, so... <laughs> so, San Jose is a very special place. It's not only what they do, it's how they do it. And they um, also, it was that time when Victoria, I thought we're going to go back to school because you always have to have the hope that you're going to go back and everything's going to be all right. We even have a school for Victoria. So when she came back, she was up to date in school. It's like she never was not there. There's so many more things that Sanju does that we don't know that is impressive. And the most important thing is they are saving lives. And I am I keep saying that I truly believe Sanju will finally the cure for 100 percent. 80% is, is great, but we met family that they didn't have the blessing we had and we still need to fight for them because we need to get to that 100% because, it's, you know, losing a child is, is, I don't know, only a mom will know, understand what is the risk of losing a child. And I know it can never be the same. It can never be the same to go back to your home and see that empty room and know everything that little kids suffer. We have to still fight for that 20%. We still. What are some recommendations so that, you know, anyone who's listening who hasn't had the same experience but wants to help and support St. Jude, what are the best ways to support St. Jude? St. Jude does a lot of activities. Um, the walk is very important. The angels is very important because that is a uh, continuous um, income that St. Jude has. You know, they do it for free. They travel by free. They give you food for free. You know, like if you put out that number I don't have to tell you, you go to any type of doctor and the first thing they ask you is for your deductible. So you doesn't ask for anything on that. 
and it's impressive because the facilities are top notch and um, and everything is there and everything is nice and the people are nice. I am impressed. I don't think there's nothing in the world compared to San Jude. And I love that it exists. And, I, and like they say, I hope they're looking forward that they don't need to exist anymore. They do it all. I do recommend to the moms to pay attention to the kids. You know, sometimes they say the headache and you give them a Tylenol and you keep moving because you have things to do. And I understand I have three kids and I many times I have a lot of things to do. I, I am telling you, I was blessed to go to the hospital and I'm, you know, I am still blessed. I Was there ever, Damari, like a sense of guilt? Because I feel like when something happens to your children, you always question yourself. Like moms are so tough on ourselves, right? Like we're always taking responsibility and accountability for so many things that in reality are out of our control. You know, so I just wanted to, for you to share a little bit of like the emotions that you went through and like, how did you deal accepting the reality you and Victoria were facing on your family as well? Well, the truth is, I'm always in the storm. I, you know, I, I, as I said, I, I believe in my prayers and I believe that our prayers are heard. But I do live in a constant storm with, with what happened. It's a struggle that I say, thank you, God, that's another day. And God, I, why is this is happening? It's, it's a, a constant fight that I have. I'm always living a storm. Every time Victoria says something bothers her, my neck immediately struggles. I, it's like I feel like somebody's struggling me. And um, because the fear of losing her is horrendous. I do love her too much. I, I'm very close to her, but sadly, it's always there. I'm very positive. Thank every good news is always a good news. But it's always there. That fear is always there. And it's a horrendous fear to have. I always find that St. Jude, Jude parents are always very amazed at the strength of their children, right? Because in that moment, you, you're you always like pleasantly surprised at how your child and Victoria, in this case, you know, how she always able to handle stuff with grace. And like even when she talks about it, she's always smiling and happy and just so full of gratitude about like even going through this process and how everything was, has been handled so far. Yeah, we are blessed. We are truly blessed. Um, Victoria is very strong, very, very strong cookie. I don't. Uh, she has more strength in that house than everybody else. And she has her responsibility to St. Jude. Um, she knows it. It's her journey. And like I always said, and she has her responsibility to give back and to give as much as she can in her time and her energy and his painting because what St. Jude did for for Victoria has, you can say thank you enough. And, you know, for the people who donate, I, I, I'm eternally in gratitude because it's, if without those donations, you know, you cannot survive. I'm very clear on that. And she is very clear on that. And she has her responsibility for her rest of her life to to get back. Victoria, can you give us just a message? I always think it's always good to kind of like, maybe it's like, a little tough, you know, to kind of share. But I feel like sometimes people don't realize the reality of how hard and ugly childhood cancer could look for a child. You know, when you were like supposed to be playing, you know, in your playground and coloring and going to school normally, you were dealing with like, you know, having to get therapy and being away from your, your hometown and having to be in a hospital. So just like maybe to close it off, like the low, like one of the worst moments and then like the high, you know, like why you're so grateful today. So um, I must say, I think... One of the lowest points I had was before I got to St. Jude during my second surgery. Right after the surgery, well, there were complications during that surgery where they did have to take off my sense of smell. So I can't smell a thing right now. <laughs> but the main thing was after that surgery, while I was still asleep from the, um, from the anesthesia, I did have a stroke and a seizure. And that basically paralyzed my entire left side. So that was a major low because I basically had to you know, relearn how to talk, walk, 
and do just basic normal functions. Like when we, for example, when we eat, holding a fork, I couldn't do that. You could lift my arm up and it would just drop like nothing. That was a major low, but I must say a major high was actually just this past week. I was just at St. Jude and they gave me great news that the tumor is still shrinking after seven years that they were actually shocked about and that I am almost done. So I was really, really happy. And and that was a major, major high for me. So I was really excited. That's amazing, Victoria. I mean, and let's remind people also like, so these children are senior patients for the rest of their lives. So it's not like you get treatment and you're done. Like they continue. Once you're a senior patient, you're forever a senior patient, even through adulthood. So they'll go ahead and, and keep going back for checkups and, you know, and it's also important to highlight the senior also treats very rare types of cancer because they want to share that information with other hospitals around the world. So, you know, when they when they detect that this is a very difficult cancer to, to treat or there's no protocol to, to how to treat it in anywhere else, that's when they invite, they have the children so they can research it and provide and give them the best chance of surviving the cancer. Mm. And especially, you know, brain cancer is so unique to every single child because obviously the brain is so complex. It's so hard to actually find like a specific protocol to treat it because every single type of brain cancer is like, its unique form. It's like the DNA of like, you know, and that's why it's so challenging to to be able to actually find something. And actually the way to treat it is also so difficult because you don't want to damage certain parts of the brain. Mm. And so it's very, very challenging. And, and every time we have a testimony of, of a child who's, you know, who's a survivor and like has been through all this, it fills us with hope that we're getting closer to finding mm. a cure. Mm. Thank you so much to both of you for sharing your testimony, sharing your story and, and being so open with us and also educating us on how amazing it is and what you can get out of being helped by St. Jude. I also love the fact like Victoria, like when you... Even like children who have not been affected by, by the disease, it gives them a sense of purpose. You know, like when we help other children like organize a walk mm -hmm. or like let's, you know, let's sell lemonade on the stand. Like it gives children at a very young age like a sense of like giving back and like yeah. the importance of it. And I think Sinjuta is something that you could help them understand. This is a hospital where they treat kids with cancer and when they mm -hmm. get sick and it kind of gives them like it motivates them yeah. to, to serve and to give back and to do something bigger than themselves. So thank you so much, Victoria and Damari, for joining us. I don't know if you have any last words or message, Damari. Uh, well, uh, for any of the listeners, we do have a walk in September. There's three of them. There's a Miramar walk, a Miami walk, and a Palm Beach walk. The Palm Beach and the, and the Miramar walk are um, on September 23rd, and the Miami one's going to be on September 30th. Yes, I'll be in the Miami walk. I'm hosting the Miami walk. Yeah, so if we're in Miami, September 30th, you could join us. Thank you, ladies. Amazing. Thank you so much. 